0: Hello, Pedra Pearls listeners. Welcome back to Community Spotlight. It's been a minute since we've done one of these shows. And if you're new here, let me explain. Pedra's Community Spotlight shines a light on different advocacy organizations working to make a difference in the lives of patients and families. These extraordinary organizations provide resources not just to patients and families, but also to investigators, whether it be through funding, disease registries, access to patients interested in taking part in research, or speaking opportunities at patient and family conferences. These organizations play a crucial role in advancing pediatric dermatology research. So today, I am pleased to be shining a light on the incredible work happening within the Foundation for Ichthyosis and Related Skin Types, also known as FIRST. Originally established in January of 1981 as the National Ichthyosis Foundation, their mission is to improve lives and seek cures for those affected by ichthyosis and related skin types. In this interview, I have the pleasure of speaking with FIRST's Chief Executive Officer, Chris Boynton. Welcome, Chris, and thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's get everybody started with just the basics. When did you start working for FIRST?
1: I started working for FIRST in May of 2020, which is a really interesting time to start a new job. The yeah, interview I can process and, and uh, meeting the volunteers and meeting people the the, the community that we help uh, was all virtual for a very long time. And uh, I did have the opportunity maybe by August 2020 to sort of sneak out and meet a family that had uh, that was putting together a, a public awareness kind of event going on. So I got to meet my first people who actually were affected with the type of ichthyosis four or five months after I had started working here.
0: I can't imagine what it's like coming into this type of position with this type of organization, like right at the height of pandemic panic. Really, I mean that was, we were really in the throes of having no idea what was going on. It must have right. been a confusing time, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, and there was a lot of uh, cons- concerns or questions about, you know if you are sorry, immune compromised. Does that mean if you have eczema, is that similar to being immune compromised? Is, are people going to be disproportionately affected who have ichthyosis versus not? So we were doing a lot of Zoom calls, like everyone was doing at the time, to try and educate our community as best as possible.
0: Yeah, so talk to me a little bit more about that. Was your community sort of in turmoil at that point, where there had to have been a lot of concern, a lot of worried parents? So how did you navigate that in your brand-new role?
1: We really tapped on tapped into our Medical Scientific Advisory Board for information is what they were reading, I and mean, I don't think they had dealt with this sort of issue before either, but they had access to the journals and the, the, the updates that they were receiving from, you know, NIH and that kind of thing, and they were able to put together some really good information and, you know, do some short Zoom calls with the community that really helped allay some of the fears.
0: I can imagine, you know, it was such a a dark time for all of us, but for patients in the situation that they're in. And one of the main reasons they come to an organization like FIRST is to allay fears. So I'm so glad that you were able to really rally the troops and help your community.
1: And and we had to provide some other solutions as well, though, because, you know, as the recommended uh, mitigation was to wear masks, Masks oftentimes really affected people with with fragile skin or skin conditions. So there was a lot of issues around the best type of mask to wear, you know, when you absolutely had to wear a mask, that kind of thing. So we were were uh, involved with that kind of conversation as well.
0: But let's back up a little bit. What has been your advocacy journey, and kind of what got you to first in the first place?
1: Yeah. So um, my entire career has really been about advocacy. And advocacy for patients. And um, prior to working for First, it was with some much larger, well-known organizations. Uh, I worked for the American Cancer Society for twelve years. Then I moved on to work for the American Diabetes Association for for thirteen years. So these are organizations that affect millions and millions of people. You know, there are ninety-eight million Americans walking around with diabetes, and there are know 10 or 20 million cancer survivors walking around so when you're talking to people you know you talk about having your elevator speech or you know having your your quick marketing thing when you talk about cancer and diabetes it's very relatable everybody knows someone who has diabetes whether type 1 or type 2 and everybody knows someone who's living with or has you know dealt with cancer this uh this is my first foray into the rare Uh, disease space. And so it's been interesting explaining to people what ichthyosis is and how it manifests itself. And maybe they've seen someone with ichthyosis, but they didn't know that it was ichthyosis.
0: Mm -hmm. So that is a great way to move into my next question. How does FIRST build awareness?
1: So we have a couple different things we're doing. And um, we want to build awareness uh, with the public as as a whole. We want to build awareness with our own community, people who are affected ichthyosis and their parents and then we want to build awareness with the medical community because even within the field of dermatology sometimes there wasn't a whole lot of time spent in medical school on on ichthyosis and and especially since there are 30 different subtypes that sort of fall under that umbrella so you know and we're doing it through uh, a couple different things we're doing it through our website which really is still the, the the main front door into our organizations people will uh Search for us uh on the internet and we'll come. We're we still are fortunate we're right sort of near the top of the list, and so they will get be connected with us through that. And some of the things they're looking for when they want to connect with us is just general information about um you know how to manage the condition. And it's quite often, interestingly, who we connect with is grandparents. So when a baby is born in uh and they're take whisked off to the NICU, the parents are very all consumed in. The, how the baby's doing and spending time with the baby. Um, so the person doesn't, who, who really wants to feel like they can help, wants to help, but might not be able to do something directly, uh, quite often is a grandparent. So we had, we get yeah. a lot of inquiries from grandparents trying to figure out, trying to connect the parents with with us and with other parents who, who have been through this before. Uh, so the website is great for that. Also, people are looking for position referrals. So very quickly, they learn that not everybody is as well versed in ichthyosis as some of the experts, and they want to find out who those experts are. So we have a physician referral service where we can sort of um, make those connections uh, with people, and that happens every day. Mm. People want to want to be connected with someone who might have a little bit more expertise, um, and then we do physician to physician. Where we're connecting people too. So we have a, a program called TeleIchthyosis where a physician, a, a, either a primary care physician or a dermatologist who doesn't have that expertise can reach out to one of our, our experts and ask questions. And it's usually, it's physician to physician, so that the, uh, the patient and the family doesn't get involved in it, but can ask a question about a management or you know things in the NICU, uh, how to, what the humidity should be, should be set for an incubator, those kinds of things. Um, and they can ask those questions and get them answered promptly through, through that service. So those are the ways we're building awareness through those different different communities.
0: You really like. I know First is is so supportive of their patients and families. So can you talk about some activities that First has for patients and families?
1: Yeah. So the, I think the biggest way we connect people. I think that that word I use quite often. I use connection. Really are sort of the hub the connecting. Patients to patients, families to families, doctors to patients, doctors to doctors, whatever. You want to be that that convener, essentially. And in 2023, the best way to do that really is through social media many times. So we have many, many um, several Facebook groups that people are connecting with, whether it be grandparents or their grandparents or parents and parents or affected adults with each other, those kinds of things. Where they feel comfortable to ask questions, sometimes, you know, very deeply personal questions they can ask this this community that they've gotten to know um, and get the help that they need really very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And we try to facilitate that as much as possible. So that sometimes people wanna meet either virtually or sort of more one-on-one, we can facilitate those kind of connections as well. Um, And we do some other activities where still is no substitute, even, and we found that throughout the pandemic, there's no substitute for getting Mm face-to-face. So for example, uh, on even-numbered years, we have a, our national conference, and uh, we just had our last year. We had it in 2022 in Providence, Rhode Island. We had about 375 people got together in Providence, and they just felt so good to uh to see each other, to be with others who understand what it's like to live in literally in their skin. And it was really helpful for me as my it was my first conference to to see what happens. And we talk about the magic that happens at conference, and uh, so. That it really happened again. On the odd number of years, we have regional one day meetings so that people Mm -hmm. don't have to travel as far. Mm -hmm. And we've done several of those this year. We did one in Tampa, we did one in St. Louis, we're doing one in Seattle in September. And that's an opportunity for people to maybe just drive somewhere rather than having to fly and really make that connection. We put together a loose agenda that gets. You know, it goes off track very quickly when people get there and they have their own questions and their own concerns and want to talk to the physician we usually have there that can answer some questions and uh, it's very, very helpful uh, for people. And the amazing thing is when we have those face-to-face meetings or the conference that quite often people say, this is the first time I've ever met somebody else who has ichthyosis or has my particular type of ichthyosis. And it's made sometimes the people are in their sixties or seventies and they've never met someone with the same skin type as them. So often when a baby is born, the parents were quite surprised about that their child was born of this genetic abnormality and they have lots of questions about what the future looks like for their child. Are they going to have a normal childhood? Are they going to participate in sports? Are they going to be able to, you know, go to school and take classes? Are they going to get married? Are they going to have kids? Are they going to have what they had envisioned as, you know, a typical uh, life for their child, and they have a lot of questions. So to be able to go to the conference and see other kids all different ages who are thriving with their their ichthyosis or, you know, adult uh, affected individuals who are married and their kids might be there is very reassuring and sort of builds confidence in these parents. So that just being, being together with living examples is really, really powerful.
0: How... Empowering it must be to, for them to be together in person. I mean, we've—I I think we all have a much deeper appreciation now in this post-pandemic world of being together, and that idea of physical community is just as important as right. virtual community, if not more. Um, so, how powerful for the patients and families to be able to see themselves and others, as you had said earlier. It's—it's it's right. big difference. Mm-hmm. I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk about um, how beautifully aligned with research and the scientific community first is, you know, I'm looking at your website and I'm looking at all of the, the doctors and scientists you have listed there. Many of them PEDRA members. It's so exciting to see all their faces on your scientific uh, advisory board, but talk to me about how FIRST is involved in research.
1: So we're involved a couple different ways. We have our own internal research program where we are funding uh academic research and we're we're just wrapping up that process right now for 2023 where we have uh put out an rfp and we've received in several proposals for uh different types of research and sometimes we we pick points of emphasis if we have a someone who's given us a large donation that's mm-hmm. been restricted to a particular type of ichthyosis, we'll you know say there's a priority for those kinds of proposals and other years this can be more general um but uh The research committee has just wrapped up their their deliberations and review of the proposals and is out making uh, communicating with the the, uh, researchers now about if they're going to get their award or not. So we do that every year. Uh, That's been sort of modest uh, amounts, but um, still helpful. We think as, you know, throughout my career and all these organizations, the role that voluntary health organizations can play is really being that sort of seed money, that is sort of the venture capital that we, mm-hmm. we always say, you know, to help get those younger investigators to sort of give them the bridge funding till they get picked up by the NIH. Um, I think that's one of the roles that FIRST does as well. Uh, they can be very, very important. Yeah. And the second way we're, we're getting, I think we're very fortunately, since I've been here, not not necessarily because of me, but it's the timing that has been more interest in uh, private industry and pursuing treatments for people with ichthyosis. And so we have had more interest from pharma companies who want to reach out to our community, want to learn more about our community. um, And we're facilitating that as much as possible as well, so that as they think about new ways to help these people, it's they're keeping the studies patient centric. Um, patient-focused, and really, really learning about what it's like to live with ichthyosis on a day-to-day basis. and What what are some of the challenges of living with ichthyosis on a, on a day-to-day basis?
0: That is so important. I feel like what you said earlier about you being sort of a venture capitalist for these young investigators and helping them bridge that time until they can get to those larger grants, That is, it's so perfect. It's such a great illustration. And I think about that as being one big slice of the pie, right? But then another major slice of the pie is the pharmaceutical companies and getting them interested in rare diseases is tricky in the first place but then once they do, you're perfectly poised to guide them through this process. You're connected to the patients, you're connected to the researchers, you have activities going on and patient, patient-centered patient research is at the forefront of everything you're doing. So it must really feel like things are have really aligned for you.
1: Right, right. And uh, we're, we're just really fortunate right now that this, there's so much interest. We still don't have an FDA-approved drug that's Primary purpose is ichthyosis. I think we're there's some experimentation going on right now with some other things that are approved for other conditions, sort of off label, that are being used for for our community. But um, it would be great to have something that's really dedicated to this particular community. And until then, we're working with uh, a, a great number of companies. And as they sometimes they you know they they do some research, reach out to us, meet with the community, and decide that this is not for them, and they move on to uh, the next thing in their pipeline, but hopefully, you know, that the funnel is getting wider so that there's going to be some, some good things coming down pretty quickly.
0: I I love it. And I will keep my fingers crossed that that, that ball continues to roll because it is so important. So I want to talk about, well, there's a lot I want to get to still, and I know we're limited on time, but, um, I want to firstly talk about, um, what has been something that has surprised you going from these larger patient advocacy organizations in your past and then coming to something in rare disease, especially in dermatology, what has surprised you about first?
1: I think it's, um, even though there's fewer people, I think there's there's the same amount of passion mm-hmm. uh, connected to it. I think that's really the ingredient. Mm-hmm. And in my role, I think, I don't think it's really different, but I think it's amazingly similar, is that I always see my role as connecting all these individuals and families who feel really strongly about doing something about whether it be cancer or it be about ichthyosis. And it's our job as the, as the as the staff to channel that energy in a positive, productive way. And so whether you're at the Cancer Society or the Diabetes Association or FIRST, that is their role, is to take all that passion that's out there and channel it into a really, really productive way that results in some kind of impact, whether it be better treatments, better quality of life.
0: That's great. I love that passion is the thing that remains the same throughout. So PEDRA has a lot of young investigators, a lot of trainees, a lot of medical students and residents that are really wanting to break into the field of pediatric dermatology and especially PEDSTERM research. What are some top takeaways you would want them to know about FIRST and or how to get involved with FIRST?
1: I think the best way to get involved with first is to participate in our national conference.
0: Mm-hmm. We do
1: do we have clinical visits we do, and it's a big part of what we do at the conference because a lot of people don't have an opportunity to meet with someone's well-versed nephrologists in their community. When they come to the conference, they have the opportunity to talk to this, as you talked about our, our medical scientific scientific advisory board, which is you know leading experts in the world around this this area, and so they can meet with them. But it's also an opportunity for young. Uh, physicians and, and physicians in training to be side by side with those uh, mm-hmm. experts. And so we had many in Providence people, uh, students who participated in it and got to observe, uh, got to observe the uh, advisory board members, but also got to observe the community and and learn a little bit more about what it's like to live with ichthyosis and what some of the things are to look out for, some of the challenges um, in their in their day-to-day lives and how they manage their condition. And ichthyosis is a, is a condition, I think, that they learn quickly as something that they're managing almost, not necessarily on a minute-to-minute basis, but an hour-to-hour basis, whether they're constantly monitoring the their dryness, itchiness, um, whether they need to uh, add uh, lotions different places. Um, and then the bathing part, the exfoliation part, too, uh, happens a couple times a day for many people. And so when they get that to they get the idea that... Um, there's several hours a day dedicated to managing your skin. I think that's a big point of learning for these younger uh, positions and students.
0: I yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think having again, it comes back to the value of face-to-face time, right? I I think that's a, a really great pearl. And we will make sure to uh promote your website and all of your amazing activities and information. Thank you so much for all that you do for our patients and our families. It is these communities are I'm in awe of them. They are amazing. And these families are resilient on levels that I have. I can't even quite comprehend. Absolutely. This has been part one of our two-part community spotlight series about the foundation for ichthyosis and related skin types. Thank you so much to Chris Boynton for joining me. In part two, I get a chance to talk with the Cena family about their journey with ichthyosis and the support they've received from FIRST. If you're interested in being involved with FIRST or wanna know more about their resources for both patients and researchers, please visit www.firstskinfoundation.org. You can find that link in the show notes. Be sure you keep yourself current with all of the activities happening within PEDRA and with our partners by following us on social media. We are out there on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn at PEDRA Research. Don't forget to tune in next week for part two with the Cena family.